it, it tells me what to do and I will obey in Jesus name amen now let me see all the smartphones let me see all the smartphones let me see all the smartphones come on show them to me show me your smartphone okay well you can get an app on your smartphone okay Bible is bible.is is one of them you version is another one so get it on your 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 phone so that wherever you are you can read the scripture amen I like Bible is because you can listen to it at night I'm just listening to the scripture when I'm when I'm walking around I'm listening to the scripture you know the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God amen Acts chapter 17 come on let me see you turning either your either your pages are rustling or you're turning your your smartphones or your iPads all right here we go Acts chapter 17 verse 1 when they had passed through and Philippos and Apollina they came to Thessalonica where they were there was a Jewish synagogue as his custom was Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. And some of the Jews were persuaded to join Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. Thank God for women, amen? And thank God, God still uses women in prominent ways. Somebody said, and all the women said... Oh, that was good. That was good. That was good. But some of the Jews were jealous. And they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. I could see them doing that, you know, getting in their little wagons and going to get the bad guys to come, right? And notice what it says. And they formed a mob and started a riot in the city. And they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials and shouted. Here's what they said. These men who have caused trouble all over the world are now here among us. The King James says, these guys, these people that turned the world upside down are here among us. Wow. Hey, what guys are they talking about? Well, this morning my sermon is entitled dangerous church dangerous church and the truth is for a lot of people when you think about church you think I need to go to a safe church in fact when I go to church for most people they say I need to feel comfortable I want it to be a comfortable setting I want it to be a safe place I always want to feel good when I leave church how many of you want to feel good when you leave church Come on, let me see your hands yeah, I want to go to church and I want to be pumped up. I want to go to church and I want to be encouraged. I want to go to church and I want to be blessed. Everybody say blessed. I want to go out of the church and I want to feel good about myself. And I want to feel good about the world. And I want to feel good about tomorrow. I just want to feel good. I want to feel comfortable when I go to church. And the truth is there are a lot of safe churches in the world. When you think of a safe church, you think of a church that is comfortable. You think of a church that is a safe place to go. A church that never rocks the boat. That never offends anybody. 
A church that never challenges anyone to get out of their comfort zone. A church that would never dare to dream about things that God has put in your heart. I mean to stretch your faith and do things that would get you really, really out of your comfort zone and obey God. No matter the cost, you would obey God. A church that will always be predictable. That's a safe church. A church that is predictable is a church that you know exactly what you're going to get when you go to that church. You're going to get three songs, you're going to get an offering, you're going to get a sermon, and you're going to leave. Why? Because it's a safe church. It's a very predictable church. You know exactly what's going to happen every time you go to church. How many of you come out of a safe church? You know what I'm talking about. You were in a safe church at one time, and you said, this is just way too safe for me, way too predictable. I need to go where the Spirit is moving. I need to go where the Spirit is leading. I need to go where I want to go where I can go to a church where it's like, you know what? We just don't know what's going to happen from Sunday to Sunday. That's an unpredictable church. That's a, that's a dangerous church. And the truth is, the day that the church of Jesus Christ was born, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, that became a very dangerous place to be. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples that they are to stay in the upper room until they are dangerously filled with the Holy Spirit. Until they are clothed with the Holy Spirit. Until they are empowered by God from on high. Because he said, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will receive dynamite power, dunamis power, and you'll be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Somebody say amen. Now notice what it says in Acts chapter 17. I got some shouters in here today. In Acts chapter 17, it says that Paul was traveling on his missionary journeys and he first went into the synagogues and he told them that there's no other name but the name of Jesus and he began to preach to them and many Jews came to know Christ as their Savior. Many prominent women in the town became Christians and the Bible says some of the Jews became so angry and jealous that they literally dragged Jason out of the house and brought him to the officials and what does it say? It says that these men, these troubled Troublemakers, troublemakers. These men who are so radical, they're such troublemakers that they turn the world upside down. And they're here with us now. And they're going to turn our cities upside down. What kind of people are we talking about? We're talking about people that simply loved other people. Dangerous people. People that simply shared the truth, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dangerous people. Oh, boy. People that were willing to go out and feed the hungry. Dangerous people. People that were willing to, to really get out of their comfort zone and love people the way God called them to love people. These were just ordinary people. In fact, they were fishermen. Dangerous people. Watch out, you might get hooked in the eye. What a fishing hook. They were IRS people. That's dangerous. <laughs> I have to admit, that's dangerous. <laughs> they were housewives. Wow. They were carpenters. And they were just simple people. But these simple people were dangerously filled with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they were dangerously filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the truth is, they were they were first filled with fear. They see Jesus hanging on the cross. 
and everything that they hoped for was dashed in a moment's time. They see Jesus taken off the cross and placed in a tomb and all their hopes are dashed and now they're in the upper room and they're filled with fear. They're filled with discouragement. They're filled with doubt and unbelief. But then the Holy Spirit comes upon these 120 dangerous people. And the Holy Spirit comes so upon them that they're now filled with fire from above. The Holy Spirit comes upon Peter. Peter's afraid, man. He's afraid to name Christ. He's afraid to tell everybody that he's a believer. He can't even st stand in the middle of a small little crowd and, and tell them that he's a believer. He denies Christ. But now the same Peter who was fearful and doubtful. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the day of Pentecost comes. And the Bible says, and they're all speaking in tongues. And there are, people, there, are, there are people from all over the world that are in Jerusalem right now. And they're hearing what's going on. And they say, these guys are crazy. These guys are drunk. And Paul the Apostle is not a Christian yet, but he's about to become a dangerous Christian. And there's a whole lot of those kind of people in the crowd and they want blood. And Peter, instead of being afraid, he stands up in front of the thousands and thousands of, of people that are, that are mocking him. And he says, listen, I want to tell you what this is. He says, what you see that's happening right now, this is a prophecy. In fact, Joel, he prophesied long ago that the Spirit of God would come upon us and that we would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And he said, this what you see is in fulfillment of the prophecy of Jeremiah and a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah and a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel when he said, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. He says, what you're seeing is God at work. And he he said, and you, you need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to repent of your sin. You need to turn away from your wickedness. You need to repent and be baptized so that you might receive the same thing. And the Bible says that because of Peter's boldness, 3,000 people were added to the church that very moment. That's a church service. Come on, somebody. That is a church service. And out of these 120 people that were dangerously filled with the Holy Spirit, God begins to work. And He begins to do something in the world that revolutionizes the entire earth, the entire world, because they became unstoppable. Let me ask you a question. How in the world are we going to confront the kingdom of darkness in our world? And it is very dark outside, isn't it? How are we going to confront the sin and the compromise of our world. My goodness. As I, I watch TV sometimes, I am just amazed. I'm watching on regular TV. It's pornography, man. And the compromise and how they're twisting the scriptures to make anything work and anything count these days. How in the world is the church going to stand up and say, this is what the Word of God says. How are we not going to buckle under pressure? I'm going to tell you how. By the Spirit of the living God. Zechariah answers this question when he says, It's not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Read with me if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Paul said, man, when I came to you, I came with knees and knocking. He said, I came in weakness. He said, I came in fear. He said, you know, I didn't know how to preach. I didn't know how to speak. He said, I studied, the, I studied under Gamaliel, but man, I was a bad speaker. He said, I came to you in weakness. He said, but uh, when the Spirit... 
Spirit of God came upon me. I was able to preach the gospel so that your faith would not rest on mere man's intellect. He said, I didn't come to you with intellectual words of wisdom, but I came in demonstration of the power of God so that your faith may rest in the grace of God. Somebody say amen. What Paul was saying is I was filled with the Spirit. I became dangerously filled with God's Spirit so that I could be a dangerous Christian so that you could hear the truth. Come on, somebody. And then he prays this prayer for the church at Ephesus. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. He said the power of the Holy Spirit is like the working of his mighty strength. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Far above rulers and authorities and powers and dominion. And every title that can be given. Not only in this present age but the one to come. And God placed all these things under his feet. And he appointed Jesus. Jesus to be the head of the church and he has given us oh God the power of the spirit so that what so that we can fill this whole earth with the fullness of God he said the church needs to become dangerous the church needs to become so dangerous to the kingdom of darkness that the kingdom of darkness would shudder Peter became a dangerous Christian I love this story Peter is now going to the temple at three o'clock in the afternoon they went to the temple three times a day. And it's the afternoon time to go to the temple. And on that day, Peter forgot his wallet at home. It's a good thing to forget your wallet. Not on Sunday, but other days of the week. And Peter forgets his wallet. And I could just imagine that this beggar, this crippled man, must have been at the temple gate every day for a very long time. And Peter must have passed this guy up many times before. And I suppose that in the past, Peter just took a coin out and gave it to this crippled man because he didn't have anything but a coin. But on this day, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter becomes a dangerously filled Christian. And so he looks at this man and, he, and, and, and his first reaction is, is, let me go in my wallet and see what I can give him. But he didn't have his wallet and now he had to depend on God. You see, when you got nothing else, you can depend on God. And so he looks at this crippled man and he says, silver and gold have I none. My wallet I have left home, but such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And that crippled man rose up and he walked. And you know what the Bible says? The Jews became angry. They became furious at Peter. Could you imagine? The Jews became furious at Peter because he healed a crippled man. This crippled man was there for many years. You would think that they, they would have been happy, but instead they became angry. And what do they do? They call Peter and John and James into the Sanhedrin and they start to question them because they want to shut them down. But you see, listen, a dangerous church, write this down, a dangerous church is an unstoppable church. A dangerous church is an unstoppable church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He makes a promise. He says, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell. Get ready. You're going to cry. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That was cool. I was like, just bring the tissues up right now in the middle of the service because they're about to cry. But a dangerous church is an unstoppable church. And for 2,000 years, the devil has tried to stop the church. The truth is, for 2,000 years, the devil has tried to silence the voice of the church. For 2,000 years, 
the devil has tried to shut down the church but Jesus said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church glory to God that's a promise you can take to the bank now listen to me since that time 70 million Christians have given their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ in the last 20 centuries 70 million Christians have given their life for the gospel I think we ought to stop right now we ought to put our hand on our chest and we ought to say thank you God thank you from our brothers and sisters who have given their lives so that we could be sitting in this room today don't you ever forget that it cost somebody's blood don't you ever forget that it cost somebody's life for us to have the freedom that we have today to worship a living God not just back in Jesus's day but all through the centuries Christians have been given up their lives by so that we could have the gospel John Wyclaw Cliff gave that gave up his life so that we could have the gospel in print John Huss was burned at the stake so that we could have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ the early pilgrims that came from their homeland and they came to this land so that we can have the gospel preached to us so that we can sing and worship the Lord the way we want to worship the Lord 70,000 70 million Christians have given their lives so that we could be free I'm telling you it's time for the church to become dangerous in the early 1900s Joseph Stalin he made a statement he said I will wipe out the church in Russia he said in my lifetime I will liquidate the entire church and he began a process in Russia of cleansing the whole country of all Christians. And he shut down in his lifetime 48,000 churches in Russia. And the world said the church is dead in Russia. And the world said that the church in Russia will never rise again. Well, I'm here to tell you today. I'm here to tell you through live stream. And if you're watching this in Russia, Rejoice with me because the truth is there are 80 million Christians in Russia today. You cannot stop the church. Hallelujah! I will build a church and the church will march against the gates of hell and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ because the word of God is alive. You cannot kill the word of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. A little over 50 years ago, Fidel Castro said, I'm going to cleanse Cuba of all Christians. I'm going to wipe out all the Christians. I'm going to shut down the churches. Well, right now, as Fidel Castro is lying dead or almost dead, I want you to know this one thing, that the church in Cuba is alive and doing well. There are hundreds of thousands of Christians that are worshiping the Lord right now, today, in Cuba. There are house churches that are bigger than this church itself there are house churches that contain 1500 people in one house church wow that's a big house they buy a big piece of land and put a little house on it in the back they worship the Lord hallelujah and the church in Cuba is alive and it's growing today like never before God is doing something great hallelujah as Habakkuk said I will do something in your day that you could never imagine glory to God in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh hallelujah God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh in this world let me give you some statistics just to help you out from 
from only three million Christians in AD 1500 evangelical Christians have grown to 648 million worldwide and the country that is the fastest growing country in the world when it comes to Christianity believe it or not listen to me look at me right now kind of lean over a little because this is important the country that has the fastest growing rate of Christianity in the world is not America it is not South America it is not Africa it is the country of China where they will not allow you to walk in public with a Bible hardly where they will imprison you at times for preaching the gospel 10,000 people are coming to the Lord every day every single day 10,000 Chinese people are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ we need to become a dangerous church that is unstoppable I got a phone call a couple of years ago and it, and it really kind of uh, was a uh, it was kind of comical you see a, ch a safe church backs down when somebody starts to persecute them a safe church plays it even more safe when they start getting the heat they start compromising the scripture they stop preaching the truth of the scripture they stop preaching that killing a baby is a sin in the mother's womb well let me tell you it's still a sin because before you were born God knew us and God created us in the womb and every living soul needs to be born and that is the word of God people stop preaching that God created man and woman to be married and that marriage should be only between a man and a woman the way God designed it come on somebody but a safe church doesn't talk about that anymore a safe church keeps silent on the controversial subjects because they don't want to offend anybody they don't want to lose anybody so we keep it safe we play it safe we talk about a loving gospel a loving God who would send no one to hell but the Word of God says that if my name is not written in the Lamb's book of life that I will be cast into the lake of fire we still need to preach the truth because it's the truth that sets man free somebody say amen glory to God so a couple of years ago I got a phone call and my secretary she was kind of a little white and pale she was like you need to listen to this pastor Steve and somebody's threatening you I said that's not the first time it's not gonna be the last time to be honest with you, I get people threaten me. People threaten me all the time. So, so she says, you need to listen to this. So I go, okay. So we punch it, you know, the, 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 the machine. And, and it's this woman named Pink. She's a recording artist. And uh, she says, Pastor Steve Malazzo, she says, I know some young ladies that go to your church. Now, I don't know if it was really her or not, but who cares but so so she goes I know some ladies young ladies that go to your church and you've been preaching about abstinence and being holy and pure well let me tell you something I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the newspapers and I'm gonna tell everybody about your church and I'm gonna come against you and I said bring it on give me all the advertisement you can hallelujah I was so happy I was like man I wish you would have really done it I could just see myself on Oprah with pink and I wear a pink shirt just for her a safe church backs down the moment they meet opposition.
A safe church gets even more safe when they're threatened. But a dangerous church, listen to me, a dangerous church never changes the message. A dangerous church never changes the word of God. A dangerous church knows that someone's going to get offended because they stand for decency. A dangerous church knows somebody's going to get offended because they stand for life and marriage and morality. A dangerous church knows that someone's going to get offended when they succeed. And that leads me to Acts chapter 4. Because here's the rest of the story. Peter prays for this cripple. And the cripple is healed. The Jews get angry. And notice what it says in Acts chapter 4. As I start to bring this to a conclusion in a little while. Acts chapter 4 verse 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. And the number of men grew to about 5,000. 3,000 to 5,000 now. The next day the rulers and elders and teachers of the Lord met in Jerusalem. Anus the, the high priest was there and so was Caiaphas and John and Alexander and the other men of the high priest family. And they had Peter and John brought before them and began the question of, By what power do you do these things? Then Peter, dangerously filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are called to an account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. The stone that you rejected has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no other name. For there is no other name under heaven given by men by which a man can be saved. Talk about offensive. <laughs> Peter is not mixing words. He says, you killed him. Wow. And by the way, there's no other name. You can't get saved through Buddha. You can't get saved through Mohammed. You can't get saved through any other name. Because it's the name that is above every name. That Jesus Christ, the Bible says, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. And this is the man. This is the man who raised them up. This is the man who died for your sin. And this is the man in which healed this man. Glory to God. And I like their response. And it says, when they saw Peter and James and John. And they realized that they were ordinary, simple men. Unschooled. But they had so much boldness and wisdom. They took note that they had been with Jesus. Ha! You can't be dangerous. Let me tell you something. You cannot be dangerous unless you've been with Jesus. The reason why so many of us are dead spiritually is because we don't spend time with Jesus. But I can guarantee you that no how whatever you feel and however you feel when you get on your face before the Lord and you spend time with Jesus, you come out like a lion, glory to God. Because you've been filled with love. You've been filled with power. You've been filled with wisdom. You sat at the feet of Jesus and he empowered you with boldness to do what is right, glory to God. Follow me a little bit more, would you please? But since they could see that this man had been healed and he was standing with them, 
There was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together and they said everybody in Jerusalem knows that what they have done is an outstanding miracle. We cannot deny this. But to stop this thing from spreading, to stop these dangerous people from spreading their gospel and turning the whole world upside down, we will tell them never to speak in this name again. Then they called them back and they told them, do not speak in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than man. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Glory to God. They said, you choose whether it's right or wrong, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I can't stop talking about Jesus. I can't stop talking about what Jesus did in my life. Friend, let me tell you something. When you've been changed by the power of God, when you were depressed and now God gave you a joy unspeakable and full of glory, when you were lost and you were blind and you were dead in your trespasses, when you were lame and you couldn't walk spiritually and God came into your life, when God put your marriage back together, when God put your family back together, when you were on drugs, when you were lost, you were so lost that you didn't know you were lost, but Jesus came into your life and he wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. You can't but speak about what you experienced. You can't but speak about what you felt. You can't but speak about the good things that God did in your life. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They're going to tell you, shut up. And you say, but I can't. Don't talk about Jesus, but I can't. Oh, your friends, your neighbors, your relatives are going to say, would you stop it already? Would you stop talking about Jesus? And you're going to say, but, but, but I just can't. I just can't. It just keeps on coming out of me from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I love Jesus with all my heart and I've got to speak about him. I cannot stop speaking about Jesus because I love him so much. Glory to God. Somebody love the Lord today. Rise to your feet. Give the Lord a clap offering and say, we love you, Jesus. We can't stop speaking about you, Jesus. We can't stop speaking about you, Jesus. They can try to shut us up. They can try to shut us down. But we will not stop speaking about Jesus. Hallelujah. Because he saved me. He changed me. He healed me. He delivered me. And he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. I can't help but stop. Hallelujah to praise the Lord. Come on somebody praise the Lord with me. Somebody praise the Lord with me. Glory to God. Hallelujah Jesus. Thank you Jesus. We cannot help but to speak about what we have seen and heard. You may be seated. You thought I was done. A dangerous church. Listen to me. Look at me. A dangerous church cannot stop loving its neighborhood. A dangerous church cannot stop taking the gospel to the streets. Last week, I was so proud of you. We gave out 600. Next, next year, 2,000. We gave out 600 invitations to the church because we knew that people were going to watch the Super Bowl. And by the way, the Giants won. Now, I'm a Jet fan, but I'm a giant bandwagoner all the way because I'm a New Yorker. I am a New... How many of you are proud to be a New Yorker? Come on, everybody say, New York. That's it, baby. That's it. I'm a New Yorker. But 600 of those bags were given out. We took the gospel to the streets. 
And we say, God loves you. We cannot stop growing as a church. We cannot stop reaching out. We cannot stop telling people about Jesus. We cannot stop praying for the sick. Because people still need Jesus. He's still the answer. People are still dying and going to hell all around us. People still need to be healed. Marriages and families still need to be mended. We cannot stop. We cannot help ourselves but to preach and teach about the good things that God has done. Acts chapter 5 verse 41. I love this. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Listen what it says. They left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they were considered worthy to suffer in such a way. And look what it says. It says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Unstoppable. A dangerous church is a generous church. A dangerous church is not afraid to give everything away. Listen to me, look at me. A dangerous church is a church that is so generous with its people, so generous with its money, so generous with its goods. You know what the Bible says? In the book of Acts it says that they gathered together everything that they owned and they gave it all away. They became generous. There was not one, the Bible says, that was in need in their fellowship, in their community because they were so generous. They gave it away. Listen to me. You become so dangerous when nothing owns you but God. That everything else you have, you give it away. You become so dangerous. Why? Because it doesn't belong to me. And if it, if it makes the kingdom of God wider and stronger and higher, then I'll give it away. A dangerous church cannot be stopped because it just keeps on giving it away. Let me tell you something. All across Long Island we have churches that Bethlehem Assembly of God has been so generous. We have seven churches today that's connected, networked. Some that have been planted out. Some that have been revitalized by pastors that we've released and sent out. Some that we've just given money away. In fact, let me tell you something. When a pastor calls me and says they're in need, I rush to their help. And I give them a check. And I help them out no matter what. Why? Because it's not about our kingdom. It's not about Valley Stream. It's not about Bethlehem Assembly of God. It's about the kingdom of God. And you become a dangerous church when you're not worried about you. You and you alone. And your kingdom and your church. You say, you know, if there's a brother crossed down and he's struggling, I'm going to come to his aid. Why? Because we're fighting on the same team. We're running the same race. We're, we're serving the same Lord and we're doing the same work for the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter who gets the glory. It doesn't matter who gets the honor. We're just going to give it away. Why? Because we're a generous church and then we become a dangerous church. We're generous. Last week, man, you, you blew me away. You know, between Friday and Sunday, and I was really praying. I said, God, I said, you know, we need to give a half a million dollars to missions. That's what it's going to cost us to do all the things that we have to do around the world and at home for missions. Because we support 85 different missionaries and works all around the world and at home. We're building churches. We're building orphanages. We're building teen challenge centers. In the end of the month, I go back to Jamaica, man, so that we can teach the, the people. You know mine. Yeah, man. I'm getting it on now. I'm getting it on now. Yeah, man. You know I mean? Cory Gold, man. Cory Chicken, Joke Chicken, man. I got to get it on. I'm practicing now, you know. And I have the privilege to do a, 
a, a graduation service for the men that have graduated from the program this last past year through leadership training. And I'm going to take a couple of men with me and we're going to go and we're just going to love on those people. But man, it's so awesome, a church that is so generous, but not, not only overseas, but here at home as we help churches plant churches. Next week, Pastor Todd Bishop is going to be here, one of the churches that we planted, and he's going to tell the story about how God is blessing his church. And now he is actually parenting another church. And Pastor Anthony Palella, who's in Medford, and his church is exploding, and he's parenting two other churches. I'm a grandpa. I'm a grandpa. Wow, I'm a grandpa. And it would have never been possible without you folks that... We're, we're, we're empowering me to say, write the check, man. Give it away. Give it to churches on Long Island. Give it to the churches in Harlem. Give it to the churches around the world. And that's because we are a dangerous church because we don't hold on to it. Listen to me. Last week, I was thinking, man, these people, some of them, they don't have jobs. Some of them, they're paying into their medical these days. Some of them are really struggling financially. And the Lord said, no, you tell them. You tell them that giving sometimes is a sacrifice. You tell them sometimes it's going to be out of their poverty, out of their abject poverty that they're going to be a blessing to me and they're going to give. And you gave last, last week between Friday night and Sunday morning. You pledged and you gave $203,000 to missions. Come on somebody, say amen. $203,000 to missions. I'm telling you, that was one of the most holiest moments I've ever had in this church. Because you gave out of your poverty. You gave out of your need. You gave and you said, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to stretch. A dangerous church is a church without walls. I want you to take a look at this because this is going to blow you away. Last week, I told you that I had an incredible announcement to give you. I'm going to make that announcement after this video, but I want you to take a look at this because this is who you are. This is what we're going to do on June the 9th. The business went belly up, lost money, lost contracts, and eventually I just lost everything. I lost my house. I couldn't feed my family. Within every community, people are hurting, and so many are in need. It's hard to have hope when every day is a struggle. It's a challenge to have faith when you feel forgotten. At this time, I didn't have any other resource, no one else to turn to. I said, Lord, this is, I can't take it. Anymore. This is it. You have blessed me today. So I needed some help. I needed some real help. And I, don't, I didn't know who really to turn to. Moments of Compassion moments of generosity moments of hope it all starts with the connection when i saw the sign i was like what is this say yeah this is an event that you don't want to miss you know they're giving away food there i was like oh yeah i want to be there at convoy of hope we're going into communities throughout america and embracing those in need by mobilizing churches, local governments, businesses, and volunteers. Our community outreaches can accomplish what none of us can do alone. We're changing communities by individually connecting with thousands. And while it may seem we're providing the most basic of human needs, we're actually giving guests so much more. We're giving them hope. It was a huge event. It was a lot of people there, a lot of friendly faces. I mean, a lot of people that will greet you. As soon as you walk through the gate, they're there to greet you. My needs and my family's needs, they didn't just stop at prayer. 
they made it happen. A job, all the things that I needed at the time, they, they fully met it. Over the course of a single event, faces light up, prayers are lifted, and inspiration is found. All because they know someone truly cares. When you partner with Convoy of Hope, you join a movement that lasts long after the tents come down and the trucks roll away. So when I heard that they were coming back again, well, we couldn't wait, yeah, we're going to be there. This time we're going to help. We're going we're gonna to get us some t-shirts and we're going to go and we're going to help. For the thousands that attend our community outreaches, this is a day that can impact their tomorrow. This is about progress. This is about tomorrow. This is about eternity. And it all starts now. This photo represents the day that changed our lives, a day of hope. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, after all of that, that there arose a great persecution in the church in Jerusalem, and the people were scattered all over the place. The Christians were scattered to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And listen what they said. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went a safe church stays put a safe church never reaches out a safe church never takes the gospel to the streets a safe church stays within its walls a safe church never tries anything new a safe church never reaches its cities or its towns. A dangerous church never stays in one place. A dangerous church is willing to try something new. A dangerous church is willing to get out of their comfort zone, get out of their building, get on the streets where the people is, are. A dangerous church is willing to, to go from the mountaintop into the valley where the need is. A dangerous church is willing to take the risks that a safe church is never willing to take. I told you last week that I was going to make an announcement. About a year ago, I was invited to go to Haiti with what I believe is the Mother Teresa of Christianity today, Hal Donaldson, a good friend of mine. He said, Steve, would you come with me to Haiti? And so we traveled around Haiti and we got to know each other. I had met him before, but, but not, not this intimately. And so we spent two days driving around talking about what God wanted to do in this world. And I learned that Convoy of Hope is in 190 some odd countries of the world, feeding the poor, offering different solutions to, the, to poverty around the world. They were in Haiti before the earthquake hit. They're in Haiti today feeding about 50,000 kids every day, just in one country. Multiply that 191 times. Hal Donaldson called me and he said, Steve, we want to do something in New York that's unprecedented. We want to do something that's never happened in New York before. He said, and I want your church to lead the way. The first thing I said is, I'm overwhelmed. The second thing I said is, I'm honored. The third thing I said is, I'm ready. And so he said, what we want to do in New York is we want to start a movement we want to start a movement of compassion. We want to start a movement where churches are not just building their own little kingdom, but that churches would come together all over Long Island, all over the Bronx, all over Brooklyn, all over Staten Island, all over the place that they will come together and will become one church 
working together to show the world this is what the church does best. It loves people. It shares the gospel with people and it treats people with dignity. I said, I'm in. I'm in. And we began to strategize about starting a movement by which we would have these great outreaches. One in Nassau, perhaps next year or the year after, because I'm already working with churches today. I'm already working with churches in Suffolk County to empower those churches to do what we're doing in Nassau County. I've asked them to come and learn from us so they can come back, go back and do it in, in Riverhead. But on June the 9th, we are going to have, hopefully, a hundred churches joined together. We already have about 25. They're on board. We're just starting. 25 big churches. Jimmy Jack has said, I'm, I'm with you, Pastor Steve. My church is going to be totally behind you. Shelter Rock said, I'm with you, Pastor Steve. We're totally behind you. Some churches right here, Rockville Center, other churches that we know of that we're in, we're in communication with. They said, we're behind you. We're going to help you with this. And on one day, we're going to feed. We're going to take care of. We're going to love. We're going to treat with dignity. 10 to 15,000 people. That is big. That is powerful. And when the news comes, listen to me. When the news comes, Channel 12 news comes, and they say, why are you doing this? I'm going to say to them, because this is what the church does. You guys have been talking about the church. You guys have been bashing the church. You guys have been saying that the church is irrelevant. Well, I want you to know, look at these people that are being blessed and loved. Look at the crowd of people that are being treated with incredible dignity. So the Bronx pastors said, wow, you're doing that? Can we do it as well? So instead of having one outreach, we have already seen two outreaches come from a church that said we're willing to lead the way. And so on September the 8th, in the Bronx, there's a group of pastors that are going to do the same exact thing. And my vision is that this will multiply in every borough of New York that one day will say, in one day, not in several days, but in one day, the church will rise up and show the world, this is the way the church loves the world. Someone say amen. Now let me tell you as we close, now let me tell you as we close, some of the miracles that have already occurred that God is opening these doors. We called up the commissioner, the town and parks and recreations in Eisenhower Park. We need a field that is the size of three football fields to do this. There's going to be massive tents, tents everywhere. There's going to be a job fair tent. There's going to be a tent where we give away free sneakers, Lord willing, if we can get a corporation to help us with it. There's going to be a haircutting tent. We need 75 to 100 haircutters hairdressers. I figure, you know what, we'll just put a bowl on their head and get them, you know, just go for it, baby. We'll, we'll teach you. But 75 to 100 hairdressers. We're going to have a medical tent, a medical clinic right there for people so that they can get the help that they need. We're going to have a kid's zone that makes our block parties look like nothing compared to that. A block party on steroids for kids. We're going to feed them, have barbecue for all the people that come. They're going to listen to music. They're going to hear the gospel and they're going to go away. We're going to give away 70,000 to 100,000 pounds of food on that day. Glory to God. The trucks are going to roll in. 
and we're going to unload the trucks with food and we're going to give it away. Where? In Hempstead. Why? Because Hempstead is one of the neediest places in the United States and we're coming. The church is coming. Glory to God. I said the church is coming. I said the church is coming. I said the church is getting out of its wall and we're coming and we want the world to see this is what Christ does. And so we asked the commission, they said, I'm sorry, we want to help you, but there's no way that we could do that in the summer. Ask us later on. We said, no, we can't. We've got these churches on board. June the 9th is the day. We've got to do it on June the 9th. And so we began to pray 72 hours. Don't tell me that prayer doesn't change things. 72 hours of prayer. We get a phone call. Gabrielle, I want Gabrielle to come if she's here. She is the coordinator of Convoy of Hope for this region. They get a phone call. She gets a phone call. The commissioner wants to meet with you. So we, I'm like, Gabrielle, you better make sure you got a good presentation. Show the video. You know, look good. Walk in there. Be professional. I'm going to meet you there. Well, she goes, and I get lost. God doesn't want me there. God's like, you stay out. You're just too wired, man. You just stay out of this meeting, you know. He sends in the pretty woman. Soft-spoken. She walks in. The commissioner says to her, I want to help you with this. We're going to help you to find the spot for June the 9th. Glory to God. We, we, I finally get there. We get in a car. They show us around. They said, you can have this spot in Eisenhower Park, but we want to show you something else. And they took us to an indoor soccer field, huge, at Mitchell's Field. And they said, you can have the Butler Building at Mitchell's Field and all the property around it to do your outreach on June the 9th. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I just got on the phone with a, a, a friend of mine that I had just met. He's a Christian. He is the vice president of all general operations for the New York Mets. And I, I said, can we meet with you? And this Thursday we were at City Field and we were praying. He's a Christian for the outreach. And he said to him, he said to us, he says, I don't know exactly what we can do, but I promise you, we're going to help you. We're going to send you players. We're going to try to get you money. And we're going to try to get you connected with some major organizations so that you can get the $82,000 you need to do this. God is doing something powerful. Now, here's going to be the miracle. Look at me. Look at me. This is going to be the miracle. This is the most important thing. Don't you dare leave me holding the bag all by myself. You could say amen all you want. You can nod your head and say, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, for miracles. But don't you leave me holding the bag. We need a thousand volunteers. A thousand volunteers. A thousand volunteers that are willing to get out of their seats, get out of their comfort zone and say, I will help. Can you hand a hot dog to someone? How many of you can do this? Let me see your hands. Just do, no, 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 don't go up. Just go like this. Can you let, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Here you go. How many of you can hand a needy person a pair of sneakers? How many of you can say hello to somebody, greet somebody, be a part of the hospitality team? How many of you can be a part of the kids zone, loving kids? How many of you can be in the photo gallery, helping people get a family portrait that they've never had in their whole entire life? How many of you can help in the medical center? How many of you can reach into your pocket and say, you know what, I, I can help sponsor this thing? How many of you can say, you know what, I know somebody that knows somebody 
that we can get the finances that you need. And I know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that can come and help us with this outreach. So here's what we need. This is my goal. This is my goal. We, in the first service, we had 101 person sign up for this outreach. Almost all the people. There wasn't a whole lot of people in the first service. I'm, I'm believing for over 500 people today that will f sign up and say, I'm behind you, Pastor Steve. I will help you volunteer for this, this situation. All you have to do is show up. That's it. Show up. We'll tell you what you need to do. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You just have to be a Christian who loves the Lord, who can reach out to somebody and give them a hot dog, help them out with something. And so I'm asking you right now, in your bulletin, please take out, there is a blue flyer. Come on up here, Gab. There's a blue flyer in your bulletin, just like this. And we need two types of people today. And we, we have to get this answered today. I'm telling you, I need it today. And there's not one person, there's not one young person. Listen to me, look at me. There's not one teenager. Yeah, what's the age? Over 12? Over 12. There's not one person in this place, 12 and over, that cannot help with this, this situation. So I'm, I'm going after teenagers, I'm going after young adults, I'm going after, I'm going after older senior citizens, Jimmy, that, that's you, alright? You're not too old, listen to me, you're not too old, you're not too young to volunteer for this. I, I'm believing today, this is going to be my next miracle, this is going to be, I'm, I'm telling you, you know when I told Gab, she's okay, I said Gab, today we're going to have over 500 people in our church, that's one third of our church. Over 500 people say, today I'm with you, Pastor Steve. I'm, I'm behind this thing. We're going to take the gospel to the streets June the 9th. If you have a vacation planned for June the 9th, cancel it. If you're going on the cruise on June the 9th, change the name to Steve Malazzo. And push it off. But this, my friend, is so powerful. And now listen, we need all kinds of volunteers. We will not ask you to do something you cannot do. But here's, here's four areas that we need real help with. We need leaders. We need people that really know how to do this because you're going to oversee a team of workers. We need food services, team leader, someone to help to is it make the food, prepare the food, the, the barbecue, the big barbecue. We need a haircut team leader, someone who say, I'm going to uh, get out there and, and oversee those people that cut hair. I need a health service team leader. And then I need a media relations team leader. That person is a person who networks with other media people. You don't have to know how to do it all. But you've got a good eye for media. You understand media. And there's a description there about that. And you, you really know that you have connections to be able to get out there and help us. Because we've got to get the word out. All of Hempstead, all of Long Island, got to get the word out. And we need some media people that are really sharp at that. So I'm going to ask you right now, this is your altar call. I want you to bow your heads right now. This is your altar call. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch every person in this place, Lord God. I pray, oh God, that we would get out of our comfort zone, God. And that we would not be just thinking about ourselves, but there are lost people all over the place. There are desperate people. There are families that are hungry. There are young men and young women and older men and women that are depressed and discouraged because they can't feed their family. They can't find a job, but we're going to help them. We're going to give them a haircut if they need it. We're going to give them a, a help with finding a job. We're going to give them food. We're going to send them with 
with tons of groceries and we're going to tell them Jesus loves them and there's a church in your neighborhood in your community that wants to help you on an ongoing basis and we're going to begin a movement of compassion we're going to begin a movement of dignity but maybe you're here right now and you say Pastor Steve I'm not sure if I died I'd go to heaven and I need to get right with God today I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins I want you to raise your hand right now in this place anybody here I don't want to go go past somebody walk past somebody that needs to know Jesus anybody in this place you need to know Jesus raise your hand God bless you anybody else you need to know Jesus I want to tell you God bless you anybody else God bless you for that little hand anybody else you need to know Jesus you need to ask Christ to forgive you of your sins anybody yes I see that hand we have some altar workers and they're gonna stand to my left they're gonna stand to my left and they have information for you they want to pray for you they want to love on you today maybe you're a Christian but you're backslidden you're away from the Lord and you need to get back right with God these these altar workers are gonna pray with you they're gonna give you the necessary material that you need to get you back on track again and so as we dismiss today if you raised your hand and as we've dismissed today please come to my left your right and there'll be some workers here that will give you the necessary information and pray for you but right now here's the altar call I don't want anybody to leave without filling out one of these forms now you might say Pastor Steve I don't have a form we have on the front here because we ran out of bulletins today because there's so many people in church you could sign up right here so you can come and sign up here you could sign up in the cafe there'll be somebody in the cafe but before you leave this is this is what we're gonna do this is our altar call we're gonna take I don't want your money today I'm not asking for offerings today what I'm asking for is your love what I'm asking for is your volunteering for this one day event that's all I'm asking for I want you to fill that out on the bottom your name your phone number your social security no I'm just kidding your email is very very important your email is very very important so we can get a hold of you and I want you to take this form that represents love that represents a dangerous Christian a dangerous church that's willing to be unstoppable that's willing to get out of its comfort zone and get out of its four walls and say we will help on this day I need everybody no matter who you are young or old fill this form out and just start right now as you filled it out just come and bring it to the altar and say yes Lord I will help 500 that's my goal 500 today 500 volunteers I will volunteer I will give I will do I'm I'm behind you pastor Steve I'm not leaving you holding the bag I'm not leaving you holding the bag fill those forms out right now in the balcony you come down in the balcony you come down right now bring your forms with you you come down and put it in the bag if you need to talk to Gabrielle if you have any questions Gabrielle will be standing here if you're a team leader if you want to be a team leader see Gabrielle she'll help you to understand come come quickly everybody 500 that's my goal 500 500 volunteers today hallelujah hallelujah don't leave until you fill it out don't let me go home discouraged today I'm gonna to count every one and I want to find 500 in that basket hallelujah God bless you